I'm Will Hansen, and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast, brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention, and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, Fan Engagement, I spoke to Director of Retention and Loyalty at Live Sport Group, Steve Talbot. Steve is one of the sports betting and gaming industry's leading loyalty experts, and he talks with us about the changing nature of fan engagement, LiveScore's success story so far, and what it means to be a truly data-led business. Welcome to Experts in the Room. I'm with um, Steve Talbot, Director of Retention and Loyalty at LiveScore Group. Steve, you're very welcome to the podcast today. Awesome to have you on board. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it, Will. Steve, I think the best way to kick off today is maybe just give a little introduction um, to yourself and, and your position within LiveScore. We'd love to understand just a little bit more about your background, um, particularly around the wider experience in the sports betting and gaming industry, but also understand a little bit what you're doing with LiveScore at the moment as well. Yeah, no problem at all. So I guess I started in the industry probably around 13 years ago. Um, started off at Sporting Bet and my original brief there was actually as uh, I'd come from sort of a travel, banking and telecommunications world in terms of e-commerce and, and digital marketing. And uh, at that time, 13 years ago, my brief really for Sporting Bet was to look at conversion rate optimization in terms of uh, sort of digital customer journeys, uh, sign-up processes, depositing processes, bet journeys and just looking at how we could use data analytics, UX, UI changes, AB multivariate testing to try and, I guess, just increase the efficiency of those funnels, Will, for for betting and gaming. I hadn't really been exposed to it prior to that. Um, It was an absolute sports nut and um, sort of jumped at the chance, given that I'd worked in a few industries already, that uh, I had a set of skills that that it was worth giving it a go. So Sporting Bet was the start 13 years ago. I was there for uh, probably three and a half, three and a half years before GVC bought out Sporting Bet, and they, yeah. they started their their march to sort of global dominance. Who are now insane. So um, <laughs> that was uh, that was an interesting time. I then moved down to Gibraltar uh, and worked for Coral um, as their head of retention and head of conversion rate optimization. Yeah. And by that time in Sporting Bet, I guess my, my sort of experience had changed over my time at Sporting Bet and during Coral, where I'd moved to more focus on CRM and digital marketing, as well as uh, the crow elements of my original assignment at Sporting Bet. Um, loved it down there, worked in Spain for a couple of years, uh, out of Spain and Gibraltar for a couple of years down there. Really good time, really got a lot of stuff done. We did some really exciting stuff in terms of the speed of growth, I guess, at uh, Coral. Then my next sort of venture after that, coming back to the UK, was a, uh, an Asian operator called 188Bet. They were looking to effectively grow their uh, UK business and I was part of the team that kicked off, I guess, trying to grow the UK business for, for 188Bet. Um, part of the marketing team there, we're headed up um, the sports marketing team. Uh, so at that point, smaller team, but was looking after all aspects. So... Uh, Everything from brand sponsorship through to CRM digital, but a lot a lot smaller teams. So that gave me exposure to, I guess, the wider elements that I hadn't uh, managed personally uh, in the previous two roles. Cool. Uh, and then yeah, I've been with lastly been with Live School Group now for just under four years. Um, came in originally on the 
Virgin Bet brand, which was um, some, the original brand, uh, I guess the, the Live Score group uh, launched as the first sports book. Um, and then I've been on the project to effectively, I guess, monetize sort of the, the Live Score media purchase that uh, the group made and how we could uh, effectively grow sort of sports book revenues off the back of Live Score media since that point. Uh, and uh, as you probably aware we've grown you know i guess five sports books now under uh the live score group uh, and we also manage the core live score media brand as well yeah it's usually exciting brand and it obviously speaks to your experience steve across the uh across the industry i do find it funny um being an expat myself living in dublin um the opportunities that the sports industry gives particularly in europe to move around to so you hear a lot of stories about guys going out to malta or gibraltar or or spain or wherever and having those opportunities to do something a bit different definitely yeah it's a small it's a small bowl that we all swim in for sure yeah yeah definitely and it's one of those it's one of those things i think when you're encouraging people to take that step and move into it um and being sports fans too is interesting um i want to dig in on on the live score piece and, and we'll talk about a few things today um but you know you, you've got such a vast experience i think I think one of the big trends that we're seeing within the industry at the moment is really this merger or this convergence of media and entertainment or betting brands either coming together, um, books creating media um, media elements to, to what they're doing or media elements creating sports books and entertainment offerings. Um, is that is that something that you see as a wider industry trend or do you think it's being driven particularly by the big boys like how, how do you guys see that as an opportunity particularly the way that you you cover it yeah i mean if you're working i guess uh, outside of an actual sports club in terms of yeah having worked in sports for a long time i think this is wider than just you know media and gaming companies i think there's a a general trend towards a number of industries looking yeah. at sports and sports entertainment as a real growth opportunity. And um, clearly that makes sense in terms of, you know, fans engagement and the number of people that are engaged in sport. It's clearly mind water in terms of the number of people that are engaged in sport and their passion for it. I think only in the last couple of years are people really tapping into the opportunities that, that are there to really monetize that and commercialize it, I guess. So, I guess from our side, you know, Live School Media originally as a as a publisher and yep. any other publishers that are looking at this space, I think they there's a number of them in the sports space that are look have generally been a hundred percent focused on advertising revenue and are, and are seeing, I guess, the ends of where they can really grow that advertising revenue at the pace they their shareholders or they believe they could move at if they was to diversify their model. Um, and from a sports betting perspective, I guess, again, the limits given regulation in a number of territories are putting on sports betting brands means that their ability to grow engagement by being more of a publisher or taking, uh, you know, media content into their product has meant they're able to create more stickier experiences for, for sports betting customers. So for those two brands, I think there's a natural, natural synergy Wider than that, though, I think you're seeing the likes of clearly retailers uh, moving into the sports entertainment space. And I think of the likes of an Amazon yeah. with Prime and what they've done with, you know, delving, dipping their toe in the water with uh, obviously sports media rights, etc. That that sports media rights area is the, is the real battleground, I guess, in terms of the real big opportunities for super brands to, to come out of that, I guess, whereby, you know, the ability to stream sport 
given that that's been a very terrestrial or satellite-based activity to this point with either Sky or terrestrial channels in different countries. But now you've got internet streaming giants that are clearly eyeing up that space. Um, and they've also got very... You know, the internet streaming giants can probably... You know, have got platforms and the investment in technology that allows them to... And big big bases that allow them to maybe move into that space. So I think that's another one to to watch very keenly over the next few years and then then direct sports you know sports brands themselves so clubs in their own right have obviously got tv revenues uh you know retail revenues via merchandise and tickets but i guess there's also the opportunity down the line that they could look at betting revenues um as a way that they could directly get more for their money out of them given their their potential ties with with sports betting and gaming but i think now that will depend a lot more on regulation as to how closely sport can align itself with with betting going forward given some of the challenges that are that are there especially in the UK but yeah there's some definite I think opportunities for betting companies to integrate with wider sports entertainment providers to I guess generate new new revenue streams and I think you know we definitely see that at live score group and it's a big part of our our model and our, our future vision I guess is that we're, we're open to seeing where that where that might take us yeah, I think it's massively interesting, Steve, and I think you're right to touch on that there's so many elements that, that can be taken up with this from regulation all the way down to, you know, I remember talking to someone about it from the media perspective, talking about the change to streaming and, and who owns hardware to actually have the filming of games within within stadia. Yeah. Like that's something that a lot of people don't consider when, when they're looking at this type of thing. I actually um, am a big admirer of, of pivoting to a different sport. The World Surf League, I think, have done a really interesting thing where they've taken their whole offering and platform completely free online to watch because of the type of product that they're doing. So I think even for brands themselves, owning owning their product and being able to look at it and partner with the right partners yeah. is huge. I guess for the other platforms, the interesting bit for all of us who are in sports is is the diversification of sports content as well. So whereas there was such an emphasis on live sport previously, and it's clearly the most expensive form in terms of you know rights, etc. is there are so many new newer formats that scale, be it documentary series or, or sports podcasts that look back at historical events and the, the, the massive catalogue of sports content that's gone before and looking at that in different ways and monetizing that that again, for, for content writers or, or publishers or media outlets, um, you know, we're on the real cusp of a wave of just a lot of creativity in terms of generating sports content that's not just about, about live as well. And I think, yes, the betting side of it will always have a very close link with live. But as a publisher, I think there are unlimited opportunities in terms of the back catalogue of sports and what new technology can do to bring those to life, what these new platforms can do to bring that to life. Yeah, I actually, um, if we take off our industry hat, and and I know you're a, I know you're a big sports fan yourself as well, Steve. Like, is is there ever been a better time to be a fan to engage with the sport that you're interested in at the moment? Like, look at the look at the growth within the traditional big markets and the big marketplace sports. But like, look at the growth of women's sport at the moment. And topical today, um, Ireland obviously qualifying for the first ever Women's World Cup and all of the stuff that comes with that, the behind the scenes, um, rugby world cup going on in New Zealand at the moment for women's sport. Like I think as a sports fan, you have so much on offer now. Um, obviously getting those fans to engage with your product is hugely important, but 
no better time to be a fan at the moment. Oh, no, no, definitely. I think there's some really great things coming together at the same time. Like I said, I think these platforms really help in terms of giving a voice to a lot of content that would have been, wouldn't have got aired on, you know, yeah. uh, maybe terrestrial satellite. So there's just a bigger, there's just a bigger pie that people are able to watch for one. Uh, clearly women's sport, massive move there in terms of, you know, I think we've seen it in, in other sports already, like tennis, for example, where it's almost been on an equal billion with men's sport for a long time, but there's, you know, the rise of women's football, um, etc., and just the opportunities that are out there mean that I think you know we're just going to see that explode in terms of the volume of content and the interest. Uh, and if yeah, whether you're in the betting and gaming space or the publishing space or the retail space, all, all, all of that explosion of, of content, if you like, an appetite for it, uh, is a massive opportunity. I think the other thing, just generally with sport, is health. You know, I think we're just becoming a lot more aware of our health so sports participation at the same time seems to be getting a lot more uh you know just a lot more airtime in terms of it as a pastime and the opportunities that people can spend their time playing sport and engaging with it both socially and, and watching it so it's a very exciting time from that perspective um it's probably a good segue for me like you sit with your digital hat on um, with what you do as, a, as obviously a, a retention specialist and a CRM specialist and a loyalty specialist. How much of what, what your fans are looking for is driving what you guys are producing, even from a sports betting perspective, in, in your product roadmap? Or is it a case of you guys building products to meet expectations um, in and around what sports fans are looking at? Like, I think that's a really interesting push and pull there. Yeah, absolutely. I think my my overall experience and the experience now is that you need a blend of a few areas. So I guess innovation and new solutions, definitely a massive part of that is getting your customer research or customer feedback loops right so that your ideas are informed and that, you know, any data or analytics that you've got, which may be more harder data around customer trends or customer behavior is also backed up by quantitative and qualitative customer feedback, be it surveys, insight groups, forums. You know, we use the likes of Trustpilot, for example, uh, yeah, customer surveys extensively to try and really, I guess, qualify that our ideas are going to land with consumers. But at the same time, I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, companies that some of the true innovators out there are about actually anticipating and looking into the data and the insights that are given by customers and giving them solutions that maybe they're not aware of. You know, I think things like the iPhone, for example, etc. when you look at those inventions, they, for me, were more about looking at a bunch of customer needs and frustrations. No one was actually probably asking for the iPhone, but there was an element of okay, what is the solution to these bunch of customer problems that people are telling us about when they're using mobile phones or managing their day-to-day lives so there's still an element of you know just giving customers what they want and what they're telling you isn't always the way to go i think you've got to look a little bit deeper and say actually a few areas might line up and give us hints that there's a wider problem or a wider uh void that we could fill with our products or our solutions and if we do that we can find usps or niche spaces that potentially our competitors are not are not in Whereas I think you'd find, you know, a lot of the customer feedback you get would be for similar things that you'd get across all sports books or businesses. And if you just played back to that, then it's quite difficult to find USPs or niches or new products opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think as marketers, we 
a lot of uh, a lot of it is we kind of forget the common sense in behind when we talk about testing and we talk about going to market like you know 100 years ago henry ford saying things like if i had asked them what they wanted they would have said faster horses right <laughs> exactly faster horses yeah i mean it's exactly nothing it. yeah exactly nothing nothing old is new and nothing new is old but um let's talk about niches and and getting into what you guys are doing into the weeds in live score sports betting and gaming obviously has a real drive with bonusing, a real drive with competition at the acquisition level for players. Yep. LiveScore, renowned as an industry leader for your retention rates of your customers um, and what you're doing there to make sure that pl- people are engaged with your brand. What What are some of the tactics that you guys have been employing, particularly over the last year or a couple of years, to really drive that fan engagement and get people using the platform regularly? Like, is it purely a race to the bottom with bonusing? Is it more than that? I know you have a big free-to-play yeah. element. I think there's, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a few elements to it. I think, you know, in, our, in, our, in, my, in the space that we're in from a sports betting and gaming perspective, I think there are some fundamentals for me in terms of, one, just understanding player value and player value in terms of the potential for that player to create value uh, and that can mean rather than just waiting and looking for someone to give you you know a very very clear steer that they're going to be worth x based on what they're doing it's i guess having your data lined up early on and your capability to identify consumers of that have got potential value very early on and making sure that you've got the systems processes teams uh, campaigns in place to you know give them that early onboarding experience which means you're giving that potential time to to shine um and some of that's just about getting i think your data in the right place understanding your customers in terms of value and having a lined up view of that value across the organization be it your commercial trading marketing customer service teams and i think we do that pretty well at live school and then it's about having the platform and the operational capability to act on that data and i think that's probably one of the big differentiators is the companies that can get the operational and technology elements right to actually be able to act on the data are the ones that I think win out there best uh, because I think a lot of people have the analysis and the insight on the value and they're able to tell who is valuable, who isn't, but actually being able to act on that in you know real time and at the pace we need in our industry is often the, the challenge. And I think you know, most of the big operators in our space have nailed that and that's where they've built successful businesses from i think the differentiators and the interesting bits you know you touched on it are definitely really around them once you've got the insights and an understanding of your customer or your customer base and the ones that are potentially of more value versus less value it is really about how do you how do you then engage that customer so we've got you might have a very good idea of the value you're willing to give back to someone to reward them for their for their loyalty but I think there's an element of customers moving away from just that being something whereby it's a very tangible, I've spent X, I'm getting Y back. I think it's a lot more for me about the experience of how that's given back. So, and I think that's where free to play works very, very well. And why a number of people in our industry have, have used it is that you know it's something that people enjoy and they're able to earn rewards off the back of it. And it gets them coming back more frequently again. They're not just linked to live sport. They're they're coming back for the fun and the experience of playing those free-to-play games rather than just coming back to place a bet on a live event, which is obviously not happening all the time. So um, free-to-play definitely plays a big part. But I think more and more it's an element of, yeah, how do you make that... Uh, how do you make someone feel 
rewarded or, or special or, or valued. And again, I go back to the point of that's where I think your teams have to be creative and be enabled to be creative that a lot of teams are focusing on the data and the analytical element of knowing who to who to reward when and how much. But actually, again, I think that the point of difference is the experience you give back to them. So whether that's through customer services, CRM communications, promotions, the product experience, you know, and I think there's a lot you can learn from different different sectors there. I think, you know, some retailers, for example, the in-shop experience now, they've been able to tie that up with their data and their digital data from the digital experience and, and their offering really nice integrated experiences between the two and i think you know that's that's something that the sports experience that we spoke about grows i think for fans that ability to tie up the thing they're most interested in which is their club their team the event they're going to watch as well as a reward for you know what they're playing in terms of their sports betting wallet or, or casino wallet if you can tie that up into not just bonuses and free bets which are you know to a certain extent everyone's doing but into actual experiences which are more engaging and link back to the core core thing they enjoy which is following the sport I think there's a lot to still to play with there which is not just free to play but potentially more engaging experiences that that mean that we're not just rewarding with free bets or cash but give them more lifestyle benefits or, or benefits that enhance their experience of watching or, or following sport. I, there's a couple of really good threads in there, Steve, that I, I want to pull on a little bit from your experience. The I think that shift in mentality around making sure that a brand has, I won't do my French, but the raison d'etat to be, a, a, be around as a brand. Like obviously all brands want to have commercial success, but being able to understand that putting your customer first and your player first and the experience first is so important. Have you found that that is a difficult conversation to have at a commercial level and a board level higher up when you're talking from a marketing perspective in your experience? Um, no, no, not so much. I think generally at live school, we understand, we understand it. I think in research as well, we talk about fans and we understand that you know the live score product is absolutely fundamentally has grown out of that fact that it feels a need for sports fans you know if you're not watching live sport or you're not listening to it on the radio then our product sits right in the middle there where you're able to stay engaged and up to date with you know one of the things that you care most about in the world a lot of the time for you know for our users and our, our players and I think we're trying to we're trying to add to that in terms of, like I said, the ecosystem that we move away from just being seen as a great scores provider. But we're now, you know, looking into we've started streaming content over the last couple of years. We've grown our, our news and our publishing section. Um, so we're trying to be more of a football fans, especially more of a one stop shop for football content and consumption as much as possible. Um, when we're talking about it internally, I think that the challenge is that bit for us to say we can play a more active role in a sports fan's life. There's a chance, and going back to the original question about, you know, the growth of publishers and the, the emergence of sports betting with, with publishers, etc., is that just there's just more doors. So rather than sports bonuses, free bets, casino, free spins, etc., being the core reward elements of a sports book or casino, if we're going to be a bigger player in a fan's, you know, sports consumption, then in terms of rewards and loyalty, I believe that you know, there's a big opportunity to give a wider range of benefits that engender loyalty out of our customer base if we can access that and give that to them so that you know it's not just about free bets and bonuses, which have, to a certain extent, been done for a long time. And again, everyone's doing it. Some of the opportunities, I think, are around actually 
thinking about the fan experience and how you could help or support that more in terms of a reward or a way of giving back that, that engenders loyalty out of them. Yeah, that focus on, on value and relevance to to your fan is so important rather than just looking at, you know, fans, players or customers as a, as a revenue number. Like, obviously, that plays into it. And I think we've got savvy fans now and savvy customers that are looking for that. They're looking to be part of a tribe, part of a community and have a need fulfilled. And so they're, they're demanding better things, um, better products, um, better offerings. Yeah. Um, and better value. So I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think generally just to add to the point is, you know, if you look at loyalty programs historically, very much born mainly out of retailers yep. whereby it's again the spend x get x and that was normally geared towards a long-term commitment to that brand to save up for something big like a free flight you know via frequent flyer schemes or you know or whatever it might be for a store yeah i think more and more loyalty programs and the good ones are tying into more everyday rewards and they play a active role in customers getting get feeling something and getting something back more tangible more frequently which builds that brand engagement on a more regular regular basis and I think for sports betting whereby you know we've got our core customers coming back three four times a week for example you know if we're looking at loyalty programs or propositions then it's about stuff that can play more of an active part in their lives rather than a typical like I say spend x and I can see you know a year down the line I get something back tangible it's like I think given the times that we're living in there's much more of a need for sort of surprise and delight and more tangible, smaller incentives and rewards more frequently that keeps consumers engaged in the brand and makes them feel more more rewarded and engaged. Yeah, I, I like that term, surprise and delight. That's a that's a cracking term. I think it's it's hugely relevant. How much do you think that s- strong brand recognition and brand building also plays into a huge coup for you guys? Obviously, this year with Ronaldo coming on um, in your in your first TV ads and and your ads. Yeah. Um, and your overall brand recognition for you specifically sitting on the on the CRM and loyalty side um, that must play a huge role in in helping you guys be able to build that do you think or is it just one element of of the arsenal that you guys have to work with yeah it's clearly a big investment and a big big part of um, the strategy in terms of you know what we delivered last year with that piece I think but what that was the Ronaldo deal for me was I guess an amalgamation of two or three years really hard work by the teams in building the foundations around live school media and almost announcing our arrival, I guess, to a certain extent, because live school media as a as a product and an app had really grown organically. It wasn't something that was built off of massive, you know, acquisition marketing budgets or anything like that. It just built up it had a a, a product that met a real need. And had built over time and built up a really good reputation, I guess, across sports fans across the globe. But weirdly, when you ask people, there's not still a lot of people that probably don't don't think of LiveScore as a sort of B2C consumer brand. And I think also with our investments in streaming and content, that the Ronaldo campaign was really about saying, look, we're here and we're actually more than a score. So you know us for scores. Um, but, you know, we've invested in and what we're trying to build is more of this one-stop shop for sports fans over time um and yeah we believe we can play a lot bigger part and we've got products and services that can meet their needs in a lot of other ways just in scores so you know the ronaldo 
campaign has really been about talking to our own audience about that and making them aware that LiveScore is more than what they've just used it for previously. But also the first start of making LiveScore more of a global, globally recognised B2C consumer brand that we can build trust in as we grow out the commercialization of it. It's uh, it's probably a good segue. Um, I can't leave a section um, talking to a big sports fan without talking about the upcoming World Cup. First off, predictions. Who's going to win it? Who are your top teams to take it away? Um, is it coming home? I'm sure that's probably <laughs> the question everyone's asking. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly not going to, um, to Canberra and Australia, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I'd be surprised if the Socceroos score a goal, but... I hope I eat my words after that. But what do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. obviously, I mean, just massive for, for us. One, work-wise, personally, most sports fans around the world, a World Cup in November is, you know, just absolutely changed the calendar in terms of having worked in the industry for 13 years. It's been, uh, you know, a real challenge to think about it in November because a lot of the classic things of, barbecues, beer, parties and the way you'd normally market, you know, uh, a a World Cup go out the window. So um, I think you're going to see some interesting creative across the industry around the World Cup with some new ideas for for once. So that'd be be great from our side. In terms of my own views on it, um, listen, England uh, have caused me, as I'm sure most people would say, no end of heartache over the years. So backing them is not going to do them any favours whatsoever. Um, but Spain, Spain would be my tip. I think just as a as a football team, their national team for me have had a way of playing for a long, long time, which is a set set method, which you know has obviously paid off with trophies um, around ten years ago. But I still feel they've got a great bunch of players and squad that if they can hit hit a bit of form, then the way they play the game, I think, gives them a very good chance. And they're at a half decent price as well. Yeah, they, I was about to say, you've heard it here first, sports fans, um, get on Spain. <laughs> I think that was what I'll be doing um, this afternoon. Great to hear that it's it's obviously such a different environment for such a big event, particularly for a football-focused brand like yourselves. Do you have specific programs that you've got lined up and obviously without uh, revealing everything that you've got in your hand um, that you're going to be running in and around the World Cup for your for your current customers, like around your loyalty programs? Does that, does that give you a huge boost, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So can't give away trade secrets given that we haven't launched anything. But <laughs> I think the big bit for me is, like I said, around the Ronaldo campaign, we're still very much in the process, I think, of educating our users about our ecosystem in terms of the fact that, you know, LiveScore Media, LiveScore Bet are part of the same company and, and trying to really, I guess, talk to our users across both brands um, about the benefits of using both apps. And I think, you know, for the World Cup, that's really something that will help us cement that given the size of the uh, size of the event. But yeah, I'd have to say watch this space on any specifics. Perfect, perfect. What about predictions for the future? Um, let's look past 2022 and, and into the future for maybe the wider industry, but also specifically for LiveScore Group. What do you think are going to be some of the emerging trends that we're going to see, you know, come out of the back of the next couple of years? I think there's been so much talk around COVID and and all of the disruption, particularly in the sporting space, but also the way that sports kind of galvanised communities and was that touchstone. Yeah. What are your big predictions in and around some of the stuff that's going to be happening around technology for fan engagement? You know, I, I think even one of the big ones, and I know you're a passionate fan of this, like, 
going to a rugby game or a football game or a cricket match after not being able to do it for two years. Like it was like revolutionary in having forgotten how good it is to go and sit in a stand yeah. and wear your team shirt and, and cheer on your team. Like how much do you think that's going to keep playing into it? Uh, a lot. I mean, I, I just, I guess the big, the two big areas that really interest me in terms of, I wouldn't say I really know where they're going, but basically in terms of sort of what social, what social channels and platforms have done for fans in terms of their space in the publishing space uh, and then the data that's available across sports as well. So, I mean, if we touch on the social platform bit first, it's like, you know, we're in a space now where you've got content creators um, who effectively just would have been armchair fans 10 or 15 years ago that are becoming now the faces or the go-to people for opinion on the biggest sports teams in the in the world um, whereas previously that would have been you know journalists of a certain stature broadsheets broadcasters you know fans are playing such a, a lot more of a active part in terms of swaying fans opinion because of the platforms and the followings they've been able to build up on on social um, and I think a lot of that has come from the knowledge that's available for them so if you look at sports data and the, you know, I think I've touched on this yeah. sort of with you guys before, is that the march of sports data and its availability, the knowledge that fans have now. I mean, you know, whether it's my son playing the Xbox and looking at player stats or, you know, the access to player stats or team stats, fans are just so much more knowledgeable about, you know, how far their teams run, what they're like in the first half versus second half what they do when they go north of the country, south of the country. These are trends or analysis that they were never available previously. So it's just not stuff you'd really think about or be able to contemplate or form an opinion around. Whereas I think fans of today now, in terms of what they've got access to, it means that they're very well informed. Everyone seems to be like the next Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp in terms of, <laughs> you know, we used to talk about, let's get it up top to the big striker and we'll get it in the goal. Now we're talking yeah. about we're not pressing at the right rate or, you know, we're not we're not great when it comes to the last 10 minutes of the second half in terms of this or that. It's like the detail and the understanding that sports fans have got about their teams and the game is huge. And again, that's just generating more and more noise, content that people are tapping into. And I think, you know, that growth of content that we spoke about right back at the start means that there's areas of opportunity that, you know, I certainly don't understand yet, but seem to be coming down the road that if brands can tap into that partner with you know content producers be it big firms or individuals on their own social platforms and really get fans engaging i think that's the big bit is what 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 those social platforms have done is they've given fans a voice and i think that's the bit that brands have missed is they need to give their own users customers a voice and the more they can do that and make them part of the brand I think, and get the users talking to each other, I think could be a really big opportunity. So um, not something we're actively working on, but I definitely think it's a watch this space in terms of corporate brands and how they can you know, learn from maybe some of the social media platforms and the social content producers on those platforms in terms of how they've nailed engagement and how brands might be able to do that and tap into that. It's a funny one without, we won't go too deep into it, but that pendulum shift back that, that kind of was missing when, when sports have become fully professional, that pendulum shift back to fan power is really strong, I think, at the moment. Like, you look at the reaction to the Super League 
last year, I think it was, with the clubs kind of not consulting with their fans on what they were going to do, um, kind of, you know, putting their sport in a bit of jeopardy around the around the democratisation of it, you know, that everyone has a chance with it. I think that that shift is is coming because there's more ability to be engaged with it. You're exactly right. You can be yeah. so much more engaged than you were 10, 20, 30 years ago. The, I mean, yeah. I mean, one of the interesting things as well is like the, um, the you, we talked about customer research and fan feedback and, you know, there's no doubt where we are going that sports entities, i.e. leagues or clubs themselves, are getting a lot better at CRM, data collection and fan engagement. And yeah. as they do that, it'll be interesting to see whether that starts to be an active part of decision-making. You know, I could yeah. see clubs that are potentially built with a, a customer feedback element down the line that actually influences decisions around, who knows, selection, managers, whatever it might be. That might be 25 years down the line, 100 years down the line, or it could happen in the next couple of years. I don't know, but it feels like that element, that data would be available, that they'd be able to read the room with their fans and be able to make a lot more risk-based decisions about how their fans are feeling and whether they feel that is impacting their their business model or revenues uh, and whether that, that plays into it. But that's one area that fan engagement could come back a lot more rather than just board representation. It might be actual polling of fans in stadium via club apps, etc. may well be a way that um, we see decisions go, go in terms of... Uh, of selection, I know a lot of fans would love to see that, but it feels like that's not yeah. pie in the sky anymore. It could could, could happen potentially. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a super interesting space and and a good a good way to end it. Um, particularly given where you guys play as well, like the technology advancements as well um, in the ability to be able to do this is so important, and having the right partnerships to be able to enable all of that is so important, both for fans and clubs, but also. For, for platforms and and businesses like Life School Group to be able to go forward. So that's that's I think is a huge area around being able to pick the right partners. You can never future proof yourself completely, but you know, working with the right people is really important. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover, Steve? I think we're I think I'm I'm pretty happy with that. We've covered a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I think we I think we went down some yeah. some different rabbit holes, which is really cool. <laughs> Sweet. Cheers guys. Enjoy that. Well, see you all later. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for the Experts in the Room podcast brought to you by Extreme Push. Subscribe now for more episodes in our series. This podcast was produced by Rickwood Media.